let's descend the podcast into a bit of chaos. More chaos. More chaos. That electric moment when a ball hits the back of the net. Unbelievable game. Two great teams going at it. Compared to the other three beside him, he just looks like the new cafe or something. We are making a documentary about how shit our club is. <laughs> VR is bullshit. Who is the biggest cheater in football tonight? Harry Kane, without a fucking doubt. Without a fucking doubt. Hello and um, welcome to the first episode of a sort of mini-series uh, with myself and Patrick uh, called Babel Chats. Um, we're going to just get a few fans on from other clubs that don't just focus on the ones that we support in the Babel, in around the Premier League, around Europe, around the world, wherever, um, to tell us what it's like supporting their club, who their club is, their favourite players, how their club's going to go this season and so on. And we're delighted to welcome Lee Marshall, who's an Aston Villa fan, onto the Babel. Hello, Lee. How's it going? Good to be here. Yeah, um, Patrick is a troll naturally, and he's picked uh, Lee to come on on a Monday night after Vassen Villa have been beaten five one by Newcastle <laughs> at the weekend. Uh, we'll get to know pretty quickly, Lee, that Patrick is a troll. He'll kill you with kindness. And he's very good at it. Um, we'll 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 discuss this season and the weekend in more depth going on through the podcast. But just sort of initially, like, what what happened? Yeah, not sure. I mean, um, Paddy asked me to appear on this middle of last week, uh, <laughs> and I was uh, planned to chat very differently than probably what's going to come. Uh, the last week's been a bit of a disaster, to be honest. Um, I think optimism has probably been at its highest for Villa fans since the Martin O'Neill days. So you're going back to probably 2010, the last time I think it's been as optimistic. Good preseason, obviously ended last year superbly. Um, after we got rid of that scouse twat, um, <laughs> and yeah, good preseason. Players looking well, recruited well. Like we've brought in three very good additions, um, in Diaby, Telemans, and Pau Torres. And then on the eve of the season, you lose Buendia for the season, who's arguably been probably our hottest looking attacker in preseason. Um, Taken him a couple of years to get up to speed, really, since being one of the three to replace Grealish. He's done his ACL, out for the year. And then Mings has obviously got injured during the Newcastle game, and, and he's now out for the season by the looks of it as well. Um, so, like, I don't think Newcastle away throughout this season, there's not many teams are going to be able to travel to Saudi Arabia and get three points. <laughs> so Tough away, I don't, yeah. I don't <laughs> think I don't think the defeat itself is that worrying. The manner of the defeat is probably a bit more alarming. And uh, I think my fear probably is that when Emery first came in, um, he was very fixated on playing the ball out from the back. And for the first five or six games, like there were large sections of Villa Park where there were groans and moans and virgin on booing at times, um, just because it looked so abnormal for the players involved. And then obviously the season progressed and we were superb. And you just wonder after a defeat like that, what sort of impact it's going to have. Um, you know, because he'll get he'll get criticism. Players will probably get some criticism. But um, yeah. We'll go to Everton at the weekend and probably lose as well. So, 
No, yeah. no, we're not having that. Like, I'm not having. I'm not having Everton win. Not a chance. I'm not having it. Um, I think one of the things, and I know we'll say we'll talk about, we've got into a little bit of it here. I think I watched the game, and then afterwards, I actually thought Emery was very good afterwards. And I know you were saying the concerns about maybe how it's going to affect them, and he is going to get criticism because obviously they beat five one, and that's just the nature of it. But you could see he was already sort of like nah, just trying to wash it off his back. Like, look, we'll just go again. We'll have to reset. The the matter you're right. The, the scoreline, whatever. Newcastle are going to do that. The teams. It looked like, and you're probably going to agree, the Tyrone Mings injury knocked them completely for six. It looked like it was just like what, and you you touched on the Buendia injury too. That you you wouldn't know, but the squad were looking around going two two key men in in the space mm-hmm. of what twenty four hours, if even twenty four hours gone. Yeah, and, and you, they did look. Pau Torres as well. He's only just come in, and he's trying to. He's caught out too many times. You know, trying to press the ball when he's going to press. That that lot. Pau Torres is brilliant, brilliant centre half. That'll all come in, but um, I think Villa will be fine. I think Emery was even on like the way it washed over him, he'll be fine. Um, and I still adamant, as I said in the podcast, they'll challenge top six this year under Emery because he's such a good tactically, such a brilliant coach. Yeah, I think that I think the thing as well is, I mean, there's been quite a lot of chat about the high line that Villa play. Um, and yes, we got caught out three or four times on Saturday where. You know, actually, if you look at the stats of the game, I think Newcastle had 17 shots and we had 16. And the possession yeah. was like 53% to Newcastle, 47 to us. And for large periods of the game, like particularly in the first half, we dominated and dictated the tempo. But we just made it far too easy for them to, you know, to slice through. The chances we created, we largely created through, you know, actually playing quite well clever phases of play that have been worked on and then the chances that Newcastle got was just like a gaping hole and it was far too easy so a lot of chat about the high line that we're playing but like at the end of the day last season there was a run of three games we conceded four to Leicester three to Man City and four to Arsenal so we conceded 11 goals in three games and then the remaining 15 games of last season we conceded eight goals playing the same high line you know so I don't think you can criticise and pundits are jumping on this high line I think it was a bad bad day at the office the midfield and forward players didn't press anywhere near as well as they should have and you know if you if you look at it like playing a high line with no pressure on the ball is a complete recipe for disaster but as you've alluded to like Mings goes off I don't think we were great while he was on the pitch to be fair, we started a bit shakily. I haven't been massively impressed with Pau Torres in pre-season, um, particularly when he's been at the left-back role. But I think looking at his stats in La Liga, he's not the best in the air, and he's not the most physically domineering player. He's he's superb on the ball, you know, and progressing through the progressing through the lines. So I actually agree with Emery, you know, to start Mings and Konza and leave him in the bench when you've got a fairly solid defensive unit and then you can ease the new players in when you need yeah. to. But that's all a bit up in the air now, obviously, with the with the Mings injury. So, um, yeah, disappointing. But you've got to trust the manager that he has been about long enough. He's experienced enough and astute enough that if it becomes a theme of being ripped apart too easily, then you've got to imagine he has enough up his sleeve to, to tweak that. Um, 
how much does the Jacob Ramsey injury affect? Yeah, it, it, it's funny actually. And I mean, I was looking at our squad there about a week or two ago, and I genuinely I think I said at the party over a few tweets. I looked at the squad and genuinely didn't know how Emery was going to pick his midfield. Um, some of the yeah. options we have there is ridiculous. Jacob Ramsey, I don't think there's a ceiling really on where that guy can go. Um, I think he, he carries the ball as well as as anyone that I've seen in a Villa shirt, and I include Jack Grealish in that. Um, very, very talented. But is he one of the first names in our team sheet? It's one of those weird ones that you could quite conceivably see him not starting, depending on the opposition you're playing against. Because equally, he, he tends to play with two sitters, and you've now got Douglas Louise, Bubakar Kamara, and you've got Tielemans thrown in there. And I don't know, like, you don't know who, which two of those, because Tielemans super experienced, obviously, particularly at international level, and with Leicester, but Douglas Louise and Kamara were two of our best players last season. Um, yeah, so you've got options really there. Cool. You've, you've Buendia, if he was fit, and Jacob Ramsey would probably be vying for the spot on the left-hand side. Yeah. You've got Diaby, who's come in that might play off the right. Um, and then you've got Philip Coutinho that has um, <laughs> <laughs> Philip Coutinho that uh, yeah looks like he's been resurrected somewhat over pre-season the last couple of games genuinely um, but sure he'll probably go off to Saudi in a couple of weeks as well <laughs> I was going to say yeah he's got he'll, that head off, about him. he'll head off with Neymar soon enough he'll yeah. head off to Saudi Arabia for his big payday again yeah. but on, on Ramsey there like um, so Phil and I are Liverpool fans. We, whenever we were talking, sort of in the last maybe six months, year, knowing we needed midfield reinforcements, his name kept coming up with us. We said Liverpool should really be looking at this guy. Like he's absolutely fantastic, and like we knew Bellingham was going to be extortionate um, in terms of his wages and his package. But Ramsey just looked so good, as you said, carrying the ball looked so smart. Um, I think he's a lovely, lovely footballer. Like, and um, hopefully he comes back from his injury strong because I think. I think you've got the ingredients of a great team there. Mm-hmm. And whenever we, we were linked with Douglas Louise in the past, I used to be pretty down on him, saying, like, I don't know if he's good enough. Very down on him. The more I watch him, I'm like, no, this guy's fucking good. Like, um, <laughs> even at times in the Newcastle game, he was playing lovely wee passes and yeah. progressing the ball and always sort of looking up. And on the half turn, I thought he looked he looked great. And in flashes as well on Saturday, the Abbey looked really hot. Like, um, it, is, it is funny because... Go back, I would say eighteen, yeah, go eighteen months ago or so. Um, Douglas Louise wasn't starting. You had no. marvelous Nakamba starting ahead of him. This is marvelous. the same marvelous. <laughs> Nik- this is this is marvelous Nakamba that we've just sold the Luton for about five million. Um, and, and genuinely, like most fellow fans, would have been happy with marvelous starting ahead of uh, Louise. And he has just, in the last year, he has taken his game to a different level. He's so clever on the ball. Um, he's got himself into the Brazil setup now. And but, but again, you know, go back even a year, eight months, this is largely the same group of players that Stephen Gerrard had. And he could not get a tune out of them. Um, and I don't think there's been a, a starker contrast in managers no, than I have I seen agree. from Gerard to Emery. You obviously get a new manager bounce with just a bit of the personality and a kick up the arse. But, you know, for months you were you were watching Villa. They were turgid. There was no 
defined style of play. Like there was no discernible pattern to our play at all. And then you had your manager coming out in press conferences after the game and the near enough ended with, you know, we're, we're not far away. We just need little Phil to create a bit of magic. Now, I'm sorry if you're a Premier League manager and your tactics boil down to, mm-hmm. do we just need Coutinho to do something? Like this is a player who hasn't done an awful lot in about four years. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I think he was found out and Emery has come in and, I mean, every single one of those players has taken their game on to another level. And, and you know, you have to, there's a few players have been interviewed in papers or McGinn did a really good one with uh, BT there. And they all, like, you know, the praises that they sing for Emery is ridiculous. And, and Mings as well, you know, referred to himself as, like, being stupid and not knowing football until Emery came in. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's obsessed. He really is. I mean, you have to sort of put him up there with Klopp and Pep in terms of just how emotionally involved he gets with the game. You know, he came into Villa and he has immediately asked the club to create him living quarters at the training ground. Because oh, he he's in at that. seven in the morning and he leaves at nine, and he wants to be able to stay there at times. Um, wow, it's like Bielsa I kind of vibes, felt, isn't it? Yeah. I always felt with Emery, um, he got two raw deals. He got a raw deal at Arsenal. All right, they're doing a bit better now, Arsenal, but you never know where he'd take them. And he got a raw deal at PSG, where at almost PSG, you felt that they were looking down at him. And and I would we'd all follow and watch a bit of La Liga and what he was doing. And teams in there, and what he's done since with the Europa League. And you're like, this is Unai Emery. Like, he, like mm-hmm. when Aston Villa got him, I was genuinely like, Christ, if he can get them taken, because what people don't probably don't realize, and you'll know this, is Aston Villa aren't broke. If Aston, no. Aston, they're, no, they're not like, they're not Todd Bowley. They're not Sweeney Todd that can spend a billion on three transfers. <laughs> they're not that lunatic. But, you know, they 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 can spend money like Liverpool can spend money, say. Mm-hmm. They could they could compete if they wanted to. They could. That's not that's not the realm's possibility. And he's come in and he's been given. Now he's got three players in so far. Obviously, um, with the the additions this summer. But you're right. Like the the stark like that stat you said about the goals conceded. I didn't know that. That is phenomenal. yeah, that yeah. is phenomenal. Like, I mean, that, that's the basis for this season, surely. Yeah, like last year, you know, not even just in terms of the managerial style, but the results. I mean, last year under Gerard. We, I don't think we'd won away at the start of the season. It was like five or six games we hadn't won away. And then I think we won like five of our first six away under Emery. Um, yeah. Again, you sort of think, is that just the new managerial bounds? But he was actually setting teams up properly. You know, we were going away yeah. to Brighton and winning. Um, and then the home record, Villa Park should be a fortress. Uh, it really should. I mean, a big club, what have you, you know, 42,500. And at times, it's just too easy for opposition. And again, when we got on to that run towards the end of last season, pushing for Europe, I think we won our last seven games at home and only conceded one goal. You so know, like, so... Watkins was scoring every game nearly yeah, for a yeah, while. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, but you're right about Emery. I think he got... I actually think his time at Arsenal... <sighs> Yeah, the media, I think, painted him out to be a bit of a caricature. You know, yeah. we all take the piss out of people at times, but the whole good evening thing, you know, just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah. 
you're taking the piss out of a guy that can speak three or four languages and half these clowns, <laughs> yeah. and, half yeah. these clowns in talk sport can't speak English. So <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think I think that just painted him in this caricature. And at the end of the day, he'd taken over from Wenger, who they had, you know, they'd not qualified for the Champions League in Arsene Wenger's last season. Emery took, you know, we had them in third or fourth, I think, for the majority of that season. And then they just faded towards the end and missed out. He also took Arsenal to the Europa League final. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, all being well, they got absolutely pumped by Eden Hazard inspired Chelsea. But yeah. you know, he still got there and then started the started the second season poorly and he got he got sacked. But then, you know, Arsenal are more than prepared to give Pep Guardiola the second more than enough time to mm-hmm. you know, to and patience and like Arteta's first two seasons at Arsenal, albeit he won the FA Cup, but they were not as good as Emery's first season there. So didn't he finish eighth? Didn't he finish eighth? One of them. I think he finished eighth and then seventh. Yeah. 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 Something like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then you're right. I mean, he went to PSG and he won the league like everybody wins at PSG. But I don't know how much of it then was the. Do you remember the defeat to Barca in the Champions League? I do. Oh yes, the oh, was that the six 0 or something? Or? I think. I think. The, I think PSG won. Did they win the first leg four nil? I think so. In France, four 4 one or something. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. they were, I think Barca then like late comeback and were five one up, and yeah. then Sergi was it Sergi Roberto? Yeah. Roberto scored in like the ninety yeah. sixth minute or something. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you wonder how much that of an impact that sort of has as well, um, especially for a club that are kind of like City, I suppose, putting all their eggs in the Champions League basket and have continuously fallen short but it's um, as we said we touched on it I think Villa this season and I'm, I'm sticking by it I'm not just saying it's your only I, I firmly believe they'll get in top 6 I think they'll be in there in the mix for top 6 and, and they'll do well in Europe because Emery does well in Europe that's that's. It. I think do they play possibly Hibs if Hibs win yeah it, yeah, that's a good yeah. that's a cracking game too like um, I mean they should slap Hibs um, nice, but, nice for McGinn, that. Yeah, yeah McGinn nice going back to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The McGinn, the McGinn Derby. Uh, I don't think they've been too hot so far, Hibs. I don't know what the result was at the weekend, but they they lost one of their previous away matches in the Europa League to like Macedonian Minnows. Mm. Yeah. Like the one that they won the second, like four or five nil or something. But um, yeah, yeah, Villa, Villa are a team that have a habit of. Uh, kicking in the balls when you're at your most optimistic. So <laughs> um, when you look back at the run at the tail end of last season, you know, seven home wins in a row, beating, I think our last three games were Liverpool, Spurs and Brighton. You know, they were the three teams that were immediately competing with us for those like Europa yeah. League and conference places. And I think we beat Spurs, Drew with Liverpool and then, yeah, one all. And then beat Brighton final yeah. day of the season. Yeah. So it would just be like Villa to then lose the... Uh, <laughs> Lose the playoff to Hibs. <laughs> oh, Christ, didn't they? Um, so, but, Patrick, you wanted to start off with, uh, and you can jump in here, Patrick, uh, why you got into Leeds, or, sorry, why Leeds and Aston Villa? Uh, yeah, there's no big story behind it other than my, my dad sports Villa. Um, so, yeah, dad, I don't think, dad's dad, my granddad, wasn't really a massive fan of football. He liked it, but didn't really have a team. And then, uh Dad said that he was just mid-60s. He was born, saw Villa play in the FA Cup one Saturday when football wasn't on the TV that frequently and 
just decided as a young boy to stick with Villa. Uh, I'm not even sure he can say that he thought the Clarton blue shirts were nice because it was probably <laughs> black and white TV. He probably, he probably thought he was supporting Saudi Arabia, but... Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and then me and my brother didn't have a choice. You know, it was, uh, here's your Villa shirt, aged one. And, uh, <laughs> yep, I'm currently doing the same with my son. And I've I think that's gone on the way here and he's going to get the same. You know, to be fair, I think that's the best way to be. I can't. I have some mates that, you know, their dads maybe support, say, Spurs, but they've then grown up sporting United because all their mates in primary school support United. And I I mean, I don't really get it. I mean, if if I have kids, I would love to be able to take my son or daughter to uh, fill a park. I just think it's such a massive bond with your dad if you support the same club. Um, Yeah, so me and my brother weren't given the choice. and yeah, so never had to make a decision. Just growing up supporting Villa, don't know anything different. And I don't, uh, I don't think. I mean, if Villa, they went very close to going bust a few years ago. Yes, they did. I and I like if they cease to exist, I don't think I could ever bring myself to support another team. I mean, you might, you might be able to start following a team and go on the matches, but I don't think on the emotional level you'd be able to connect with a team as well. No. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's it's been an interesting thirty-one years. Yeah, um, there's been a lot of lows and yeah, some highs. <laughs> we, myself and Patrick, the same. Our two dads uh, put this on us in Liverpool, obviously as it is. And then, as I was saying, do I have a well, I have a three-year-old who's the he's a troll, he's a complete troll, and his uh, my wife's father and brother are Chelsea men, and so he announced. Oh, about two weeks ago, he wants to support Chelsea, but he was only doing it to get a reaction out of me, and he kept it going all weekend <laughs> to get a reaction out of me. But he, as Patrick saw earlier, he's running around his Mo Salah top. He's a big Mo Salah fan. But I have a you mentioned I have a cousin, so I have an uncle who's, who's a United fan, and his two sons support Liverpool and Spurs. Yeah, and it like blows my mind. And like, like, look, they all love each other, and all the brilliant father and son relationship and everything. But it mm-hmm. completely blows my mind how yeah. that happens. Like, it's mental. That's strange. I mean, dad's like dad supported Villa, you know, all his life. So he has he has seen them win everything apart from the FA Cup. So you know, he's, he's seen them be league yeah. champions, European Cup, multiple league cups. FA Cup is what evades him. I, I mean, the last trophy Villa won was when I was three. They won the league cup. Um, Did they beat Leeds. Yeah, three nil. No, they, they, they beat. Brian, sorry, they beat Brian Little, was it? They beat Leeds in '94, and then they beat United in sorry, they beat United in '94, and then they beat Leeds three 0 in '96. Yeah, yeah. Savo Milosevic scored one from about thirty yards. Savo Milosevic, what a what what a memory that is. More Big affectionately, Savo. more affectionately referred to as Savo Misselov. He's the like he's a he's a classic like nineties classic he, player. Did he come from Celta Vigo? Is he Zaragoza? Where was he played he? for Zaragoza, I think, uh, after Villa. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's in... for a lot of money, like back then. Six yeah. But it, it is interesting. I mean, supporting supporting a team in Northern Ireland, you know, supporting a team when you live in Northern Ireland when nobody else supports them is a bit different. Like it's it's fairly unique. I, you know, my dad and brother support Villa so we can chat away to each other, but I don't know any other Villa supporters in Northern Ireland. You know, I've, I've, I've come across or bumped into a couple of people in passing. Um, I know there is a Villa supporters club 
up in um, Carrick Fergus somewhere. I've never bothered actually going along. <laughs> like I'm content with the mates I have in life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not crying out for new mates. Um, but yeah, it's just it's unusual. I mean, you go into you go into school and the Liverpool fans all chat to each other about Liverpool and United about United and you know you you don't have another sort of like minded football fan to discuss your team, so it is quite unique. But uh, you wouldn't change it. Like yeah. the vast, and probably similar enough age to you guys, but you know the vast majority of my mates in primary school were United fans, and yeah. they have grown up knowing nothing else other than Premier League title after Premier League title, and then they've had ten years of relative mediocrity, and yeah, like I, I don't know emotionally how that sits with them in comparison to the likes of myself. Like if and when Villa ever wins something, it will be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, will not be seen for weeks well like I was at Wembley for the two playoff finals in 2018 oh, and 2019 and you know the emotions at the end of the you know winning the championship playoff final but uh, there was more riding than that but you know a one-off cup final doesn't really dictate the future of your club mm-hmm. whereas at that moment in time Villa were you know particularly the first one against um Fulham when Steve Bruce was the manager like the next day we had the winding up order you know financially we were in an absolute mess so the following season then there was the takeover but you just realise how you know the different paths that your club could take I mean if we didn't go up that year beating uh, Frank Lampard's Derby County uh, you know Grealish Grealish would have been off you know, he'd, yeah. he'd hung around for three years in the championship. You probably wouldn't have kept him for a fourth season. Tommy Abraham was there on loan. You know, he would be gone. So you'd end up doing a lead. You know, if you don't get up relatively quickly, you're stuck there for 10 plus years. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, they're really, I don't know many Villa fans either. So it's, it's probably nice to support someone different because growing up, yes, our, my class as well, all United fans. And me and Philly both valued shelter mm-hmm. too much to support anyone else's children. But I'm sure Phil's sons <laughs> enjoyed three weeks in the cold shed. Like, that'll bring him around to Liverpool again. Um, but I think, uh, it's, I think it's even similar, though, to an extent. I mean, Paddy, you go to the North Ireland matches, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, again, like, I've been to every home North Ireland match since, like, April 2000, apart from the couple behind closed doors and COVID. And, you know, despite that, there maybe wouldn't be an awful lot of fairly avid Northern Ireland fans in this country either. You know, yeah. really, a lot of a lot of people don't care for international football, or they'll maybe focus on England a bit more. Um, so I you didn't know... um, care about it until uh, I got close to Paddy and, and mm. his brothers. Like, I, cause my dad cared about it, uh, and he used to go to games because he grew up. He's originally from Glengormley, but then I didn't really care about. I loved Italy. Because 1984 was my first World Cup, and I loved Roberto Baggio. Mm-hmm. I get abused by Paddy from like adore, but he's my favorite football player of all time. I adore Roberto Baggio, <laughs> so I liked Italy and I just whatever. And but then uh, I think I went to my first game with Paddy and his brothers, and I do go to whenever I can. I do love going to Ireland games, and it, you, you are right. Like it is hard to find. Maybe there's not loads of us, but you would think there is because of the way people talk about it. But there isn't really loads mm-hmm. that will go. Like you obviously go to a lot more games than me, but it's quite special too. I think. Getting to follow the likes of Northern Ireland because remember the Germany game and Mats Hummels was absolutely unbelievable. I know mm-hmm. we were beat two one. I can't remember the name of the 
the the midfield scored a screaming that night. But we're beat two one. But I came out and I could was it like, I went, No, it was the other one that was at Hoffenheim and he went to Bayern Munich as well. Like really, like something? scored the screamer. Scored really? within like scored within like thirty seconds, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. stuck in the top corner. Yeah. And like I came I came home and like spoke to my wife about how I had fallen in love with a big German centre half called Matt Holmes <laughs> and even tweeted him to tell him how special he was and he tweeted me back and I was this is amazing. I couldn't believe this and I just couldn't and you but I want obviously no Ireland to win, but it is a special it, mm-hmm. I you get that because you you're always the underdog. Mm-hmm. Mostly But I think but I suppose that's that's my only way of sort of giving you an insight of what it's like as opposed to support a team yeah. where <laughs> maybe not a lot of you know um you know because I don't know <laughs> You've 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 football fans out there in this country that are oh yeah support United but like, uh, like they don't really they've a passing interest in yeah passing interest or um you know kids that have just been given Liverpool United shirts but they're not really that interested so yeah. you find somebody wearing a Villa shirt they're probably probably pretty obsessed. Have you been? You mentioned about going to Wembley for the the playoffs and stuff. Have you been to Villa Park then as well? Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. The last time I was there was uh, I didn't get over last season. I was there to see us play um, Man City under Gerrard. Um, so that was that was December twenty twenty one. So that was the last time I was over. But pre COVID, I would have I would have tried to get over maybe four or five times a season. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. What, what Villa Park looks amazing. Like what? What? How would you describe it to someone who hasn't been? Because the it looks like old school kind of four sided ground. That kind of iconic kind of brickwork and gates and stuff like. Yeah. That. Not- yeah, it is lovely. I think even just the colours inside the stadium as well. Like the claret and blue just goes really well. The inside of the stadium, that's yeah, it's lovely. Old fashioned, big steps up to the back of the whole end, um, which is I don't I don't know numbers wise. It used to be the biggest I think terraced stand behind uh, behind a goal. Like I think it used to hold about thirty thousand people um, wow. standing, and then it became it became all seated. So I think you can get about fourteen or fifteen thousand into it now. Um, but yeah, great stadium. I mean, probably a bit outdated in terms of infrastructure and, you know, the bar areas and facilities and stuff like most grounds that have been there for a while. Um, you know, not like Tottenham, whose beer glasses will fill upside down and all that <laughs> carry on. Um, Longest yeah, bar in Europe, like to tell us as well. I'm, I'm happy enough with a puck of pie. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did I hear some that Spurs have like a cheese bar or something stupid or like a uh, cheese room yeah, or something that is i do like cheese like but nah. yeah it's a bit it's a bit ridiculous isn't it yeah. so yeah there's plans there's there's currently renovation work going on at villa and they're expanding the stadium to like fifty thousand. so um nice. but it's a, it's I suppose it's a hard one when you're a club that's on the up and things are up on the up and things are fairly optimistic you have a massive influx of fans back to the stadium Forty-two and a half thousand, and there's thirty thousand on a waiting list for a season ticket at the minute. Wow. So that gives you the extent of the fan base, I suppose. And um, even when we were in the championship, I mean, we were still, you know, packing thirty thousand into the stadium, yeah. which is still, you know, still relatively good going. But um, I suppose, like, like back to the North Ireland scenario when the stadium is being redeveloped. You have people asking for a thirty or forty thousand seater stadium because you're riding the crest of a wave, but you have to sort of do it fairly modestly. And you know, there's no point in Villa creating a seventy thousand seater stadium if in two years' time there's thirty thousand on it again. So, yeah. yeah, but there's a lot of redevelopment going on. Um, so yeah, the club's in a really, really uh, good state at the minute, on and off the pitch. 
you know, they've got a manager in there who's obviously knows what he's doing. And I think even boardroom level and with the two owners, you know, significant financial clout there. Mm-hmm. And chief executive level, uh, it was Christian Perslow up until this season, who you guys will probably yeah, know remember. or remember from the Liverpool days. Yeah. yeah. I think he's very good as a businessman and he's very good at putting on a front for the club. Um, he's articulate. He's always well turned out. And he just, he got the size of Villa as a club, which I'm sure some people will say, well, what have Villa done But um, recently? But most pros within the game, ex-pros, pundits, they all still talk about Villa in a certain way, you know, that makes you acknowledge the fact that they are a big club. And Perslow got that. Uh, like a couple of things. I mean, when we got promoted back out of the championship, there was all talk about a bus tour. Let's do a bus tour around Birmingham because we've got promoted. And Perslow and Dean Smith both faced the cameras and just unanimously were of the opinion we're Aston Villa. We'll get a bus tour when we've won something. You know, oh, we're not we're not we're not celebrating getting out of a league that we should never have been in, and yeah. we were in because of years of you know poor ownership and spending. Um, so yeah, and then even you know when Jack Grealish was sold, the way he came out and faced the cameras and he delivered the message to fans, sort of as the news broke on Sky, you know. So Villa put out a five-minute video of the chief executive explaining the decision to fans, and that as a fan, that's what you want. You want your club to be transparent and Tell you know that. keep you in the loop. Yeah, um, but he's that's no longer he's no longer there now. He got the boot over the summer, so. Yeah, the team seem very well run at the moment. And you, you mentioned actually a player there, Jack Grealish, who I don't know if he's going to be in this team of yours. But if you were to pick, sort of in your lifetime, a five side Villa side, we'll we'll we'll, we'll give you six. We'll give you a keeper plus five outfield players. Who who would uh-huh. you put in there? You know, based on based on that. Yeah, I mean, I think. It's very hard. I was thinking about an 11-a-side team earlier and even trying to knuckle it down or whittle it down to that was uh, hard. I think probably it would go Martinez and Gold. You know, there's a okay, few... Yeah. Con- yeah. He's won the World I think, Cup. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think you have to make... You have to make your decision as well based on what the players have done when they've been at the club. You know, you yeah. could you could form a 5-a-side team here with Peter Schmeichel, Kyle Walker, John yeah. Terry, Robert Perez, David Ginola and Coutinho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's not a five-a-side team, but you get my point. You've got yeah. some phenomenal players that have once played for Villa. They just may have been very, very shit at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think you probably go Martinez and goal, although Mark Bosnich and Brad Friedel are sort of right behind him there for that spot. Yeah. Uh, what will we go? 2-1-2 two, two, outfielders. 2-2-1. Two, two, okay. Yeah. Fun. Go Melberg and Larson as your two defenders. Oh, nice. Scand- oh, nice. Scandinavian trio or duo at the back. Yeah. I Both remember Melberg. I don't know if I'm misremembering this, but I think Melberg's last game at Villa, did he put a shirt on every yeah. seat in Villa Park? A Melberg shirt? Out of it his was, own pocket? Yeah, close. It was West Ham away. Oh, we for were, the Way fans? We were playing West Ham away. I think there was 4,000 Villa fans there, and he had bought them all, in a, I think it was an away shirt, had it over their seats as they came in and printed on the back of it was Melberg, thanks, then the number four, your support. Class. Yeah. Uh, so, that's so, class. So he was, um, yeah, he was a club captain for a few years and then um, I think Gareth Barry then took the captaincy over in Melberg then went on to Juventus after. But yeah, super, super defender, versatile, played it right back as well. 
um, and obviously had a very good career with, with Sweden as well. Uh, and yeah, beside him, we'd have Martin Larson, who I remember Villa signing him. He was, uh, I think we bought him for three million under David O'Leary, and I hadn't really heard of him. But you see, Jesus, we've bought a guy from AC Milan. He must be class. And the guy was an absolute crock. Like, he could not <laughs> stay fit. <laughs> Which was probably the reason why Milan got rid of him. Because yeah. on his day, he was phenomenal. Um, and I suppose probably a bit before my time, but Paul McGrath would be uh, widely regarded as Villa's best ever player. And similarly, he was at United and then got sold because he couldn't he couldn't stay fit. And Villa took him on and people thought his career was probably never going to amount to much. And he was essentially told, make sure you're fit for a Saturday. Do whatever you want during the week and you play. And, I mean, he ended up winning Player of the Year awards when he was at Villa, you know, within the league. And Larson was kind of the same then when he came in. I think it was O'Leary, first of all, and then Martin O'Neill got the best out of him by adopting that approach of do whatever you want in the gym. As long as you can run on a Saturday, I'm happy. And and he was class. And he chipped in with some serious goals as well. Yeah. Uh, so he was good. So there's your two, there's your two defenders. Um, yeah, midfield. If we're gonna go two in midfield, Garth Barry's probably in there. Might not also. be the best at five or six aside, but uh, <laughs> yeah, very dependable. Like, the guy that started out at left back for us made his way into left midfield and then really came into his own in the centre of the pitch. And I, I think as well, he was probably the first signing of note that City really made, yeah. whereby they'd, yeah. taken, they'd taken a player from a direct rival, essentially. Um, he obviously left on poor terms with Villa. I remember it was around the time of my GCSEs, and uh, Barry announced he wanted to leave because Rafa Benitez yes. thought oh. he was going to be the replacement for Xabi Alonso. Oh, this breaks my heart. No. <laughs> Still, and, uh, yeah, Xabi Alonso going, Barry was going to be the replacement. And he he told O'Neill that he wanted to go and he had this desire to play Champions League football, play in Europe. And, I mean, we were, we'd finished sixth two or three years in a row at this stage. Yeah. So we're playing Europa League or UEFA Cup. But he wanted to go and play Champions League football and O'Neill told him he had a contract and he wasn't going anywhere. And Gareth Barry then went to the Sunday World or News of the World or something and had this big ranty letter with the journalist. And O'Neill just fine, stripped him off the captaincy and fined him like a month's wages or something. And he stayed for a year, was very good. And then the next season, Man City came in. Right. And Man City finished below us in the league that season. Well, and sure off, he, off he went to pursue his Champions League football. So, because um, that, that really unsettled, obviously, Xavi Alonso, who's probably my favourite Liverpool player of my lifetime. So I remember that whole time very clearly. And actually, my mum must have been done and stuff out of our kind of family home. And she found a sticker book, Premier League 2000 sticker book, right? I maybe found it three or three, maybe three years ago. And uh, I had gone down to King's Hall, the swap shop. I'd actually completed that sticker book. So I found it, I'll go down with that. Find the book, look through it, and there was only one player who was still act, an active player in that whole book that I found. So this might have been 2019 or 2020, and it was Gareth Barry. Gareth Barry. Only yeah. player in the whole book. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal. I mean, he, he didn't leave in the best of terms, but you can't begrudge him. I mean, the guy went on and was a pivotal 
pivotal part of that Man City team, won Premier League titles. Um, I have a mate that supports Man City and has done well below they could take it over. And uh, yeah, he regards Barry as like one of their best they've ever had in there. So um, yeah, so Barry gets an odd. And then of, of three more of three more spots to go, I have to give uh, Jack or at least one of them. Like the guy's the yeah. the guy's the most talented player that I've seen play for Villa, just completely talismanic. Uh the year that we the year that we just stayed up. Like phenomenal. So our first year back in the Premier League, he, he was injured for a while and then he came back and just everything went through Grealish. Uh, you could argue probably to the detriment of the team in the sense that we were so heavily reliant on him. But like bloody hell, he was good. And um, I always said like when he got a move, if and when he would get a move to the likes of United or City, the damage he could do by just purely attracting two or three defenders and then the space that leaves for the likes of De Bruyne or whoever, it's taken him, you know, it's taken him a season and a half really to actually get back probably to the level that he was at Villa. But yeah, I think he's I think he's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so he's in there of two more spots. Probably go Benteke. Liverpool Holy legend, ghost. Christian Benteke. <laughs> Such a good team up until now. Like. Yeah. <laughs> so I was um he was making my eleven aside team. Him and Dwight York were the two forwards. Um but I'm gonna go Benteke. I'm gonna go Benteke for the six aside team. Uh yeah. This man, like we signed him twenty twelve from Genk, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Eight million on this twenty twenty one year old Belgian that haven't heard of. Why would you have heard of him? And he was frightening. Like he was so good. He had three three seasons at Villa. Bearing in mind this was a Villa side who were relegation candidates the years that he was there, and like he single handedly essentially kept us in the division those three seasons. He scored forty nine goals in one hundred and one games. Like that's a one and two ratio. Very good. <laughs> one and one and two for a team that didn't create much, and some of the goals were were f- unbelievable. Outstanding, yeah, <laughs> outstanding. And again, you know. When players choose their moves, I don't know what they factor into it, but he he moved from a villa side that, you know, was being managed by Tim Sherwood at the end, who played to Benteke's strengths. He was the focal point. Didn't necessarily need to be long ball or or ball into the box directly, but it was just get the ball early to him, either at his feet on the halfway line where he could turn and run, or get the early crosses in. Yeah, I think when he signed for Liverpool, Liverpool were the team the previous season who had put the least number of crosses in the box. Yeah. So I think that I think then did you you signed Stuart Downing as well off the back of that to have someone that could deliver a ball possibly, or was Downing a bit before with Andy Carroll? Before I, that, yeah. I, but we did we did sign. I think we got Firmino too, didn't we? Firmino yeah, they definitely well, definitely both were there at the same time. But I actually remember going to Benteke's debut, played Bournemouth first game of the season. He scored the winner actually. I remember thinking, "Oh Jesus, boy, you know this might be all right." But mm-hmm. yeah, you, what you say is right. Like, and Philly, I'm sure you remember we weren't set up for a player like him at all. Because um, no. Ro- with Rodgers probably... and all, you were playing a lot of. It was more intricate, probably. I do think, and I, I said it at the time. I think United was the club for Benteke. You know, Liverpool were playing cuter football with Rodgers or trying to at times. And yeah. 
you know, Coutinho was starting to, you know, well, that was around the time of Coutinho as well. Yeah. Um, and, and United, to me, have always just been a bit more powerful and direct. And, yeah. yeah, I think he chose the wrong club, but ultimately he then went to Palace and was pretty gosh there as well. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I did I did actually see on Twitter last week there were some Villa fans. So we were on tour to America over the summer. Um, yep. Villa, T- Villa TV did a bit of a feature with Ben Teke because he's now over there playing for DC United or something. And... Um, yeah, then the Twitter the Twitter fans were like, "Do you think she would take Ben Teke back just as backup for Watkins?" And you're like, "The guy couldn't hit a barn door." You know, we're not in we're not in 2012 anymore. But um, yeah, phenomenal. So he's in there. Grealish is in there. Um, of one more spot, uh, probably go. I'm probably going to have to go Ashley Young just ahead of James Miller. No, uh, don't agree with. It. Yeah. <laughs> Purely, purely from the Ashley Young flying winger days at Villa again. Yeah, he was close. Um, unbelievable. We signed him as a 20, 21 year old from Watford. Won the Young Player of the Year in his second season. I think the number of goals, assists were smashing. And uh, yeah, but actually, like Milner, Milner, the next season, we moved him into the centre, and he was outrageous. And I, at the time, said. I think Milner could be the replacement for Gerrard at Liverpool, playing in centre midfield. Yeah. Um, and he ultimately went went on to Man City and then started playing more as a winger again. But yeah, great, great footballer. But yeah, Milner, Milner was another one that sort of left in a bit of a you know a sour taste. They all do, don't they? When you're when the players <laughs> yeah. get an upwards move, you're very resentful. They leave their wankers. They break yeah. your they heart. Break your yeah. fucking heart. As yeah. soon as they leave, we've Remember, even got players that won't leave. They don't even join us now, and we hit them. <laughs> we, we agreed to, we agreed to sign them on a Friday night but the same for someone else on Monday and we just hate them yeah. you know that's not the stage we're at now like the the best one with Milner was yeah he was, I loved him when he was there and then he left I bumped into the Man City squad in Manchester airport in it would have been like winter time of 2010 I was mm-hmm. flying over to England for a uni interview I think Man City were playing Juventus in the Europa League possibly one Thursday night and Man City squad were walking through the airport. Patrick Vieira looked like he was on a different planet. His like big Dr. Drake beats headphones on, looked off his head. Um, Milner walked past and uh, I, just being the cheeky 18-year-old Aston Villa fan, asked him did he regret leaving Villa seeing as he was warming the bench at City. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> ghost. and uh, yeah, needless to say, he didn't reply. He just smiled and walked off. <laughs> I was I was waiting to say, probably, and then he broke my nose. <laughs> I think he probably yeah, he was probably really upset, and then took out his Danske Bank app on his phone to check his bank account. And, <laughs> yeah, his, uh, yeah. Well, I, me and Patrick, we're we're us two are massive James Milner fans because of what he's done at Liverpool, and I'm at the point now where I'm almost going to ring Bright myself and see can we have him back just because um, we we are stuck uh, for a defensive midfield. Man, actually, we just need someone that would come on and start lashing people over the sidelines, which he was very good at. Yeah. Um But like, yeah, Ashley Young, obviously he went to Man United, so as soon as he goes to Man United, you, you immediately hate him. But his Villa days, he was brilliant. I think we were rumored with him too. And then yeah. I think we ended up getting we ended up getting Downing, which obviously was we got the bad one. choice. <laughs> we got yeah. we <laughs> got done in there, and then uh, uh, United got actually young before that, but mm-hmm. he was outstanding. There was times where he was frightening, like he really looked yeah. world class at times. 
And I think I think when you're supporting a club that's not quite at the top bracket, you know, most fans are realistic or should be realistic and sensible enough to know when a player has reached a level above where your club can offer them, you're not going to stand in their way. Yeah. As long as they deal with it in the right manner. There was absolutely nobody begrudged Ashley Young has moved to United. He'd been sensational. Um, I think it's when players start making stupid comments like, Barry obviously wanting to go and play Champions League football, but then go into a club that finished below you in the league, or Stuart Downing, who <laughs> he was the best one. We signed him from Middlesbrough when he had a broken leg, um, and and rehabilitated him, and then he played months later, and then I think he had a decent enough year, and uh, and then Arsenal were sniffing around him. But about a month before Arsenal started sniffing, he had an interview where he was so grateful to Villa that nursed him through his broken leg. You know, they had trust in signing him when he was injured, loved the club, blah, blah, blah. And then a month later, he was at a crossroads in his career. (laughs) (laughs) Crossroads in his career. Wanted to play Champions League football. Arsenal were interested and then he uh, he went to Liverpool. But um, yeah, just funny. Like footballers are better just keeping their mouths closed, to be honest. Absolutely. I think he famously went a full season for us, Phil. He didn't without a goal or, or an assist. Yep. I was trying not to mention it, Patrick, because it blocked out of my mind, but uh, you brought it up, uh, and more power to you, but yeah, he did. We played him at left wing back as well at some times, just to cover the fact that he's not going to do anything up front anyway, so we might as well stick him here, because um, otherwise we'll have Jose Enrique fucking running up down the sideline, chasing cats and dogs, a lunatic, but um, yeah, <laughs> don't well, be also... in and transfers a few times, really. What are you going to say, well... Louis, sorry? You sold us Ali Suzuko under oh. the proviso that he actually knew how to defend. <laughs> <laughs> he was brutal. We, we <laughs> went down to the championship with that man. So. Oh, yeah, bad, uh, bad player. Um, just to finish up then, uh, sorry, I was caught there. Wolves should have went 1-0 up there against Manchester United. Um, so just to round it up, and we've, we've kept you longer than we promised we would, Dee, but thank you very much. Um, this season then, you've got, where are you finishing? Yeah, if you'd asked me last week, I would have said title winners. Um, <laughs> now we're looking at title winners of the championship in two years' time. So. <laughs> no, I think fairly fairly pragmatic Villa fan. There's been a lot of people getting a bit, well, I was going to say carried away. I mean, under Emery, I think we were the third or fourth best side last season under his 20-odd games, 25 games in charge. So there's reasons to be optimistic. I thought we'd recruited well. You have a manager that's decent tactically switched on I would have said a very good season would have been consolidating 6th 6th 7th place and winning a cup I think for a lot of I think for a lot of Villa fans now they want the trophy and and I don't really buy into this as a football fan of qualifying for the Champions League to be all and end all or qualifying for Europe to be all and end all it is if you're going to go and win the tournament but you know, Wigan Athletic won the FA Cup and got relegated in the same season. And I'm not sure they would swap the trophy to stay in the league. I'm really not. Now, would I want us to come 17th and win the Europa Conference League? I'm not sure because finishing 17th is a massive backward step. But as long as you can consolidate roughly where you are and then win a trophy, I think many Villa fans would be happy with that. Well, look at West Ham last year. Exactly. I mean, yeah. But I think Villa can aim higher than West Ham. I, I genuinely, I, I, I think he's, he's can win um, the Europa Conference League. 
I think you have to be. I think you have think, to be strong yeah. favourites for that mm-hmm. on the basis Big of time. squad. But I, I, I know people, maybe people that like us that don't follow that follow teams say in the top six or whatever might look down on it. But when that would be unreal. You look at the scenes for West Ham last year. Mm-hmm. It immediately takes the pressure off then of where you're going to go in Europe next year because you know you're mm-hmm. into the Europa League where you finish better. Mm-hmm. And say if Villa Villa finished. Well, the same as games last year, but they win the Europa Conference League and they get a good cup run. That's mm-hmm. massive progress. Mm-hmm. Massive progress. And then you kick on again next year, and then it'll be next year where you're looking at them going, all right, can they push for top mm-hmm. four? Can they push in the Champions League? Because there's going to be five teams. You know, you'd think anyway there'll be five English teams will qualify for Champions League next year, going on the basis of yeah. where they finish and what they do in Europe. And that opens the door again. And there's certainly no reason why Villa can't be knocking in in a year or two under Emery as long as he keeps the trajectory they're going on mm-hmm. in the round. I think it's a real part. I know Saturday's um, obviously a bit stinky, like, but again, there was things were going on. If honestly, yeah, like us three could beat Everton, we could get a team together. <laughs> I could put my three year old in nets. We, this Everton are shite. Like they're selling Onana for fifty million. Like what? What are they? What are they doing? Like what? Are, they are. They are a basket case. You'll beat Everton at the weekend, and then you'll move on from there, and it'll be grand. Like it's first game of the season. I think it's. That's it's one so, free hit for everyone. Yeah, it's one of those. I mean, the, the defeat is not going to be the be-all and end-all of this season. There are going to be very few teams that go to St. James's and pick up three yeah. points or a point. Um, yeah, you just want you to bounce back. We're a bit a bit concerned with the injuries now that we actually aren't any stronger squad-wise than we were last year when you've got three or four key players out. And I would still have reservations that we are an injury to Ollie Watkins away from being very impotent mm-hmm. up front. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm I'm not sure whether there's any real chat about bringing another centre forward in. But it's hard, you know, because you know, you go to I'm gonna say Tommy Abraham just for an example, but you go to Tommy Abraham and say, Right, come back to Villa, he's gonna want to start. Do you know? So yeah. Ollie Watkins is probably one of probably first name in the team sheet. Not necessarily the best player, but he's the one that probably would be the biggest loss if he got injured long term. Um, and I think he just completely changed the, the dynamic of how we play. So, yeah, I think we're one injury away from him to potentially scratching our heads a bit. And it would concern me that, well, in January time, Emery was content to let Danny Ings leave. And he was happy enough to just go with Watkins to the end of the season. But if you're hoping to be playing 50 or 60 games this this campaign... That's a lot of pressure. You know, and well, we've seen over the last week, you know, there's two players have just fairly innocuous challenges or landings in, in training or in a match, and that could be your season over. So they've got the resources there to go and add some sort of, some sort of backup option. Um to hopefully take a bit of pressure off if injuries come. But, yeah, I'm hopeful that we can be in and around European places. This time last week, I would have been quietly confident of making a good stab at maybe the fifth Champions League spot. Now I'm probably not as confident, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. If in if in three months' time, Emery's still in charge and it isn't Fat Frank or Graham Potter, we'll be happy enough. <laughs> God, if you go to Lampard as well, he shouldn't be allowed anywhere near managerial. If he goes into another interview for manager's role, the clubs just go, Frank, Frank, stop it. Just let him walk back out again because he's incompetent as fuck. Um, Lee, thanks so much. That We've kept you longer than we say, but uh, we both really enjoyed it. Um, great to have you on. We'd love to have you get back during the season to come in 
You're more than welcome. That's it. That's how it works now. You do one podcast, you're just part of it. That's you're in. Get out of it. You're in. You're stuck. Um, <laughs> and we'll we'll get you involved. Um, especially if, if you can slap everything the weekend, I'll, I'll be very happy with that. But um, I hope it goes very well. Apart from when you play us, naturally. Um, but uh, Emery, I mean, I remember Emery turning up with the Sevilla team in the Europa League final and absolutely bamboozling Klopp. Yep. Uh, <laughs> in the second half, like completely bamboozling. Um, so he has it in him, but um. Well, I did. I did yeah. see just the final one on that Klopp one. Talk sport. There was a bit of controversy a couple of weeks ago. There was a debate about whether Unai Emery could actually be the second best manager in the Premier League after Pep. Oof. Oof. And uh, like, like uh, tactics wise, yeah. um, he's very very astute. But yeah. You could, and I mean, obviously, the abuse that I can't remember who it was in Talksport said it. It wasn't a bomblehor, but it's the sort of stuff he would come out with. One of our loudmouths, pick one. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, when you look through his record, I mean, you've said like four, four Europa leagues, and when you look at the teams he's beaten along the way, like yeah. one with Villarreal, he beat. Was it United in the semi and Liverpool in the final? You know, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, so, but. He just needs to make sure Villa. Uh, well, he couldn't beat Stevenage in the FA Cup last year with Villa, so uh, <laughs> he's got work to do. <laughs> so you're sort of not really optimistic, but you're just sort of <laughs> writing that quest for Weaver, and, and hopefully, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all on the Ollie Watkins thing now. I'm making sure if he's injured now, it's going. I'm going to be devastated, so I'm going to have to keep an eye on that because. I don't know. You're feeling pain, sir. But thanks so yeah. much for coming anyway. on, folks. As always, you get us uh, across all your podcast apps. Just look for the football babble. Now we recorded this on the 14th of August, just after the weekend of the first weekend in the Premier League. So this is going to be coming out in a couple of weeks, um, and we're going to hopefully get a few of them banked so we can put a couple of them out uh, weeks after each other. But Lee's the first one. Lee, thank you so much. Appreciate it. I'm glad you came on. Uh, more part of Villa. Uh, Patrick, I'll see you tomorrow night. We'll be doing our normal podcast tomorrow night anyway. Um, and yeah, folks, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy it. If you are a fan of um, none of the clubs that we follow, uh, Liverpool, uh, United, Chelsea, or Arsenal, get in touch. If you're a listener or if you know someone that listens or if you have a mate that um, doesn't listen but they're a fan of another club, get in touch and see if they want to come on. We'd love to chat to them because this is exactly this is the perfect one tonight that we wanted to get on to. Um, covered all grounds. It was brilliant. So, more of that, please. And um, yeah, Lee, thank you very much. Speak to you again soon. No bother. Take it easy.